Spirit-led worship and prayer is a core value of Erie First. And so as we start this new year off and we're striving to make prayer our priority, uh, we've been focusing this month on praying from the scripture. And we really wanted to give you some tools so that you could participate. And so you probably got this on your way in today, I hope. Uh, We spelled out uh, for each week a scripture to read, a scripture to memorize, and a song to listen to. How many of you referenced this this week in your personal time? All right, all stars. Great job. Um, so we grab this if you haven't. This will really help you track. It'll give you some things to do throughout the week so God can work inside of you each day. Um, Erie First Kids, Erie First Youth are also doing the same topic. So you can study this as a family. Um, at our house, we're memorizing the scriptures um, all together. And my nine-year-old beats Joel and I every week. She can memorize it faster than us. And so uh, we, we have that something we can do together. So I want to tell you, you can do this as a family. You can grab a few friends. You can do it as a small group. Get some people around you. Get God's word in your heart. Um, You'll see on this uh, that February or January 28th to February 3rd, we'll be fasting together. So mark your calendars. We'll talk more about the specifics next Sunday, but make sure that you mark your calendars for that because that's coming up. Um, Also, as Pastor Quint mentioned in the beginning, we got these books called Praying with Confidence as a Resource. They're $5 in the lobby if you want to get one and use it, um, maybe with your spouse or your family. It has 31 days of just prompts and moments for you. Um, How many of you got this book? Raise your hand, and you've been using it this week. Awesome, all across this place. So there's more out there. If you can't afford it, just let them know. Some people have given extra so that everyone can have one that wants one. So lastly, um, we had a moment last week, if you weren't here, where we submitted our prayers into some prayer walls that we made. And you can see the staff this week transferred them to these back two walls back here. And so these are the prayers that we prayed last week that we put in the prayer wall. And um, you will see that these prayers are building the wall behind us. Isn't that awesome in this series? And today we're going to have a chance to add to that as well. So everyone can have a chance to participate. So last week we talked about praying the names of God, and this week we're going to dig into praying the fruit of the Spirit. So praying God's word is kind of like a signed check. God already promised the things he says to us in his word. We just have to take the check to the bank and receive it and receive what he is giving us. So I want to look at a passage today. Uh, Before we look at the fruit of the Spirit passage, I want to look at a passage that describes prayers answered in John 15. So follow along with me. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So the key to verse 7, which says, ask whatever you wish, it will be done for you, is found in verse 5. So how do you get to the point where when you ask whatever you wish, it will be done for you? Well, you remain in me. In fact, in verse 7, it solidifies what we have been talking about by praying the scripture. It says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, 
then when you ask, you will see an answer. And so, can I have that water? I'm so sorry. Before we can have the experience of remaining or abiding, we have to come to the reality that we actually need Christ. That we are not the source of spiritual life. That we cannot generate our experience with God. That we don't have to make anything up about who God is and what he's doing in our lives because he is real and he is living. For example, no matter how hard you train or how hard you try as a human being, you can never jump 100 feet into the air. Excuse me. So in the same way, we can't have a spirit-filled life independent of the Holy Spirit. No matter how hard we try, no matter how hard we train, we cannot have a spirit-filled life independent of the Holy Spirit. We can almost liken remaining in Christ to this idea that if we don't feel hungry, we don't eat. Okay, if we don't feel hungry, we don't eat. And that makes sense. If you don't eat for 24 hours and your stomach starts growling, it will remind you to eat. But it's another thing to know that we need nutrients for our body after we wash down a bag of chips and a 32-ounce soda. (laughs) We, We don't feel very hungry. But mostly that's because we're eating the wrong stuff. The same thing is true of spiritual nutrition. If we don't feel hungry for God because we've been eating junk, then we're not likely to eat the food that we want the most, the food that we need the most, the food that brings us spiritual life that's talking about in John 15. And so like physical nutrition, it's a matter of life or death. It's a matter of having the right things that your spiritual life needs to stay alive. It's nothing to mess with. It's nothing to ignore. And so that's why Jesus went on to say in verse, uh, verse 15, I'm sorry, verse 6 of John 15, that if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Now, these are really serious words. I want to give you the context of John 15. Um, Jesus was just hours away from crucifixion when he had this conversation. And, and everything was about to change radically for his disciples. Jesus was going to die, rise again, leave them, ascend to the Father, and then send his Holy Spirit to carry out his mission. And the disciples had learned to depend on everything from Jesus. They, there was no, they, they, they asked him for everything. He was right there physically all the time. And now they would have to learn to depend on him for everything without him being physical, physically present. They would have to learn how to depend on him without him standing there telling him what he meant, telling, him, telling them what to do. I was thinking it's like going to college without your mom. Who, who will cut the sandwich in the little triangles anymore? What am I going to do? <laughs> it, it's, it's this moment of, okay, Jesus was going to be there. Now he's going to go away. And he's having this conversation with his disciples. And he, say, listen, he, he says, listen, Your very survival spiritually will depend on you abiding in me. It will depend on you remembering and believing and loving and banking everything on my words, not your natural perceptions. That's what faith is, believing in the invisible, not the visible. Believing in the, the things that God says, not the things that we see. They would have to begin to walk by faith and not by sight. And when they did that, 
they will look foolish and weak to the world. But Jesus is saying, if you don't, you'll dry up and die. He's giving him a very clear, this is what's going to happen. And it's no less true for us today. Abiding in Christ is the only way we can spiritually survive. It's the only way. That verse 6 tells us what happens if we don't stay connected to the vine. And I believe that our survival depends on our abiding. And because we're human, we are only likely to abide in Christ when we feel our need for him. When we feel hungry for the food that only he can provide. And, and we know that that often happens when things are hard or difficult or there are different times that we feel maybe we need God, but those times we don't feel we need God, we tend to be less aggressive in, in pursuing him. And so what Jesus is saying is that our real need is to have this hunger, this deep sense of dependence, this, this real reality that we need God. In Matthew 5, 3, we find the Beatitudes, and Jesus is saying something similar um, he makes this list of statements in a sermon, and verse 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And this beatitude is describing this exact thing. It's describing poverty before God. Have you ever wondered what poor in spirit means? It means that this ultimate spiritual reality, that no matter how hard we try, no matter how many things we feel like we have together in our life, we're going to come up short. And our best efforts won't impress God. But we need to be hungry and dependent and aware of how much we need him. Blessed are the poor in spirit. The ones that, that know that they know that they know that they know that if they didn't have God, they'd be a train wreck every day. <laughs> that there's nothing they could do apart from him. That there's, there's no decision they can make without consulting him. There's no uh, relationship they can build without him at the center. There's no child they could raise without leaning on him. There's no marriage that could survive without asking God to be the center of it. That is what he's saying, that we have to stir up the hunger for the things of God. We have to remember how much we need him and how desperate we are for his every single step in our lives, or we will dry up and die. Now, when you begin to ask God to answer this prayer, it comes with a warning label on the package. When you start asking God to help you be hungry for him, he may do it in a way that surprises you. He may do it in a way that you don't particularly like. Dependence on God often feels a lot like he's exposing your weakness, exposing the, the parts of your life that you are self-helping yourself. In fact, dependence never feels like sufficient strength. The message version of the Bible says it like this in 1 Corinthians 10, 11, and it has always stuck with me. I read it as a teenager. Forget about self-confidence. It's useless. Cultivate God-confidence. That there's nothing we can do on ourselves. We, we don't want to work on self-confidence. But God-confidence, the faithfulness of God, that... That's a check we can take to the bank. 
That's a moment we can say, you know, God, I know that you're faithful. I know in my weakness you will work. And when you ask God to help you realize your dependence on him, he's probably going to ask you to do some things that you could never accomplish on your own. In fact, he will probably prompt you to do something, and in your mind you will think, that is just way over my head. Has anyone ever had that experience? That's just, that is way over my head. There's no way I could do that. And you know what? That probably means that you should do it. (laughs) Because in that moment, you will have to be so dependent and so hungry for God's presence every single step that there is no way that you will be able to get out of that. And and then you will have life and you will have God's all-sufficient power inside of you to survive it. He's probably going to ask you to face your weaknesses, to deal with your inconsistencies. He's probably going to ask you to give up control. These things aren't easy. They are lifelong battles against our flesh. But that is how God brings us to a place that we are dependent and we are hungry for him. And so this is what Paul meant when he said in 2 Corinthians 12, For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It isn't how the world sees things. It isn't isn't what we're taught. We're taught to to get strong, to face everything, to, to make sure that we have everything that it takes. But it's our weakness that God turns into strength. And God uses these things to push Paul into this dependence on the grace of Christ instead of on himself. And so Paul says, well, if those things are going to push me to dependence and hunger for you, God, then I'll take it all. I'll take the insults. I'll take the hardships. I'll take the weaknesses. I'll take anything, God, because that is what you're going to use to push me into dependence upon you. Abiding in him is a matter of spiritual life or death. And so for us today, I believe that the the takeaway to share and remember and repeat today, the, the thing that I want you to leave saying to yourself this week is this, whatever it takes, Lord, whatever it takes. Would you just say that out loud? Maybe you got to write it down somewhere. God, whatever it takes, whatever it takes to make us hungry for you, we want that. Whatever it takes to make us dependent on you, Lord, whatever it takes to get us to the place that honors you, there's no part of our life that is off limits, Jesus. There's nothing you can't have. God, whatever it takes. And I just want to ask you, will you pray that with me this week? Will you be bold and courageous enough to say that to God? Because it's a dangerous prayer. It is a dangerous prayer. But as you stand before God and you say, I want to be hungry for you. I want what you want in my life. Lord, whatever it takes, I am willing to give it to you. So we're supposed to talk about fruit. You guys are like, what is she saying? She has the wrong, wrong sermon title. What does this have to do with fruit and being hungry? John 15 says that there is a result when you hunger. There's a result when you hunger. And I love how clever that God is. There's a result when you hunger. There's a result when you are dependent on God. Let's look at verse 8 in that John 15 passage and see if you can see what the result is. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, 
showing yourselves to be my disciples. Calvary students, what's the result of being hungry for God? Fruit. All right, say fruit. Somebody say fruit over there. Yeah, all right, good. Fruit. <laughs> fruit is the evidence. We should have put the, this up first. That would have given a good clue. Fruit is the evidence of a transformed life. Fruit is the evidence of a transformed life. Let me tell you what this passage says about fruit. When Jesus prunes the branches, they bear more fruit. Remember, pruning, weaknesses, hardships, adversity. When he prunes, we get more fruit. You can't bear any fruit unless you're connected to the vine, which is Jesus. However, when you abide, when you're connected, you can bear a lot of fruit, and fruit glorifies the Father. So let's talk about fruit for a few minutes. We can bear fruit in two ways, inwardly in our character and outwardly in service to others. Inwardly in our character and outwardly in service to others. And, and fruit, honestly, is mostly made up of all the small, obedient things that you do when no one is looking. That's how you grow fruit. It's that, the inner struggle that, that you are praying through and working on and conquering. It, it's the way that we choose to see other people and, and how we start seeing them the way that Jesus would. It, it's looking back on a period of time and seeing how you have grown and changed spiritually, that you are not the same person that you used to be. That's, that's fruit. The scripture says that fruit grows when we abide, when we remain in Christ. We want the fruit. We, we want much fruit, God, whatever it takes. We want the fruit because we want our lives to count. We want this community to count towards the kingdom story because if it doesn't, then what are we doing? We want the fruit. We want the transformed life. And what's the fruit that we're talking about here? Galatians 5, 22 through 25. The fruit of the Spirit is, read them off with me, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I'm going to keep reading the rest of the passage. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, and since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So let's, let's spin this back to John 15. It says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Okay, so right there, we're going to replace the word fruit with each fruit of the Spirit. So if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much love, much joy. Much peace, much forbearance or patience, much kindness, much goodness, much faithfulness, that you would bear much gentleness, that you would bear much self-control. And all of that is to show that you are my disciples. Praying for a greater release of the fruit of the Spirit is asking for God's character to be formed in our lives or the lives of others. Because as you can see there, the purpose of the fruit is to show that we are Jesus' disciples. The purpose is to show the character of God. You know, God is perfect at love. He is the creator of joy. He is the prince of peace. We talked about that last month. He is patient with us. He is kind. He is good. God is faithful to the end. 
He is gentle. He is full of sovereignty and self-restraint, which is self-control. And as we grow in the fruit of the Spirit, we're saying that we are showing everyone around us who Jesus is. Fruit is the evidence of a transformed life. And you will find this particular truth in so many passages in the scripture. There's so many I could have brought in today that show fruit as being the evidence of a transformed life. So how do you know if you're spiritually growing? How how do you measure that? You, You can't really reach inside your soul and like weigh it, you know, take measurements. I got a little stronger in my quads this week in my spirit. You know, you can't, you can't really, you can't really figure that out. But you know you're growing when things like this happen. Let me give you some examples. You see a group of people whose values irritate you, and, and, and you used to criticize and judge them. Maybe even put something on Facebook about how frustrated you are when such people act such way, or or at least call somebody and vent about it. But now, now you see that same group of people and your heart breaks that they don't know the love of Jesus. Your response is different to people that you don't agree with. Your response is different to people that don't align with maybe the values that you have. You know you're growing when a hardship used to send you into a tailspin. You would cope with drinking or pornography or not get out of your pajamas for three days and stare at the ceiling. But now when bad news breaks, you sit quietly in peace and joy that God delivered you before and he'll do it again. You know you're growing when in years past you would get angry, you would yell at people you loved, you would have to pick up the broken pieces for weeks, but now you have patience, you have kindness, you control your tone and your temper. You're different. Evidence of a transformed life is fruit. It's more love, more joy, more self-control, more faithfulness, more fruit. You may think of a situation that happens to you right now and think, if this would have happened to me five years ago, I would have been a train wreck. I, I would have totally not been able to deal with it. But now I know the faithfulness of God and I'm okay. That shows the fruit. It's evidence of a transformed life. I want to tell you in the same way, if you are still dealing with things the same way you were five years ago and you were a Christian then, you... <laughs> are not growing fruit. And, and your life is not being transformed. And you need to evaluate, is your hunger for God there? Is your dependence on God there? Because if you stay that way for very long, the scripture says you will wither up and die. So can you point to growth in your life? I'm really asking you. Can you? Can you trace it? Because Lord, whatever it takes... Whatever it takes, whatever it takes to get me with more fruit, Lord, that is what we want, to live a life that we can show honestly that we are disciples of Christ. Now, we can use the fruits of the Spirit as a grid to sort of help focus our prayers for ourselves and for others, and we can, we can pray this way. And so, have you ever prayed for someone and asked God to change them? All the husbands and wives in this whole room just stare straight ahead. Don't give any, just don't even look at each other, okay? But have you ever had this moment where maybe you see something in in their life, in someone's life that's destructive, or you see the speed bumps that they're encountering because of their actions, and you just beg God, just please change them. Or maybe another prayer that we pray is, God, please change me. 
I, I just keep messing up. I can't seem to keep my head above water. I, I'm in this situation again and again and again and again. God, please just change me. Just change my DNA. Change something about me. I'm going to walk you through a way to pray for yourself or for other people, more specifically when your desire is to see a change, okay? When your desire is to see a transformed life. So I want you to grab those pieces of paper at the end of your row. They're white and a pen. Everyone participate. Remember, we are contributors, not consumers. Pass them down. You can share pens if you want. So we're going to do this example in two parts, okay? We're going to do the example, and then I'm going to have you write a prayer. That's how it's going to go. So you can jot notes down about the example if you want, but I just want you to be ready. So first, remember that the way we started this message is we have to pray that the Holy Spirit of God convicts us of our sin and reminds us of our need for him. That we need to be hungry for the presence of God. We need to be hungry for the right kind of food. And so before we get the fruit, before we even get the fruit, we need to be hungry for that fruit. I'm sure you've heard this before. You have to want to change before you can change, right? So God, we, we want that first. And so when we are praying for ourselves or for others, we got to start with this idea. So just pray with me. I'm going to pray for myself, and you can agree in your mind or out loud if you want, if you want to pray this for yourself. Jesus, I pray you would do whatever it takes to remind me of my need for you. I want to be hungry for your presence and nothing else. I want to know you more. Please convict me in the places my alignment is off. In my thoughts, in my attitudes, in my actions, would you show me where my alignment is off? And would you release a greater measure of the fear of the Lord in my life? In Jesus' name, amen. So that's an example. You can pray that for yourself. You can pray that for someone else. In fact, you could pray something really similar over your family, over people in leadership, over people in government. You can pray for alignment, conviction, a greater measure of the fear of the Lord on a city, a nation, a church, a campus. You can pray that over over those things. Okay, that's the first step. Part two is you can pray the fruit of that hunger would be overflowing and abounding. And you can use Galatians 5 as the list. I think we're going to put that up here, the list of Galatians 5. So let's pray. Just pray with me for just a minute. This, is, this would be part two. Jesus, I want the fruit of a transformed life. So please help me be patient with the pace of my life. Help me be kind when others are, are rude or in the face of it, God. Help me have self-control with my habits in every area of my life, physically, emotionally, spiritually. Help me have goodness when I'm dealing with difficult people. Help me have joy every day, every single day, abounding joy. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you see how that goes? Now remember, the word of God reveals the will of God. So if we ask anything according to his will, we will have it. Do you think God wants you to have more peace in your life? Do you think God wants you to have more goodness? Do you think God wants you to have more faithfulness? How about patience? How about self-control? 
Go to lunch first, then ask for self-control. Just kidding. The will of God, or the, the word of God reveals the will of God. God wants us to have more of that. God wants other people in your life to have more of that. So when you ask God for more joy, it's a signed check. You can take that to the bank because you are praying the word of God, and that is the will of God. So here's how I want to close. I want you to take a few minutes and write out a prayer for yourself or someone in your life. Maybe over leadership, maybe over government, maybe over our city, maybe over our church. And use this model. Ask for hunger, conviction, awareness of our need, and then pray for the fruit of a transformed life. And I'm just going to be quiet for a minute, and in a few minutes, the ushers are going to come. And if you would drop those in the offering, we're going to add them to the prayer wall. We're not going to read them. They're private, so you can write whatever you want. But we're going to add them to the prayer wall this week as we just show that we're building this church, this message, this kingdom of God on prayer. So take a few minutes and write those out. Ushers, you guys can come down. And if you're willing, would you drop them in the bags that they pass? And then in just a moment, I'm just going to pray and let us loose today. If we were too fast for you, the ushers will stand at the door and you can drop them in on your way out. They're awesome people.
All right, let me pray to close. God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for these people of God. I pray, Lord, that we would hunger more for you. God, that we would have the fear of the Lord, that we would know how great you are. And God, I pray that we would be people full of fruit of a transformed life, full of love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Lord, reign and rule in us whatever it takes, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And we'll see you next week. Have a great week.